Casecope Podcast 150. Thanks for being there. Billy Reeves here alongside me. Gavin Harrison from The Pineapple Thief, Porcupine Tree and King Crimson. And Bruce Sword from The Pineapple Thief as we speak at length about the spirit of collaboration. Much to chew over, much to learn from this chat. And in the spirit of the title, The Spirit of Collaboration, as it's 150, a quick thanks to all the people that collaborate with me on this fantastic podcast. Lynn in the old days, my dear friend Scott Robinson, who of course has taken the podcast to higher levels and bigger audiences. The new boy Jamie at Kscope with a fresh pair of ears. And of course Johnny Wilkes, it was his idea in the first place, and Fred for facilitating. Right, before we speak to Gavin and before we speak to Bruce, here's the Pineapple Thief with one of my favourites from the Kscope catalogue, Nothing at Best. Nothing at best from somewhere. Here is missing the pineapple thief. Hi Gav, hi Bruce. Thanks for joining me. I want to get 
an idea of a definition of collaboration. You two have done a lot of collaborating, both uh, with each other and other people. So let's talk about the worst and the best things that you've experienced doing that. You first, Bruce. What's the best thing and the worst thing about collaborating with people, specifically as we've started off with essentially something from someone here is missing when you were lord sword in control and well that's right well that's the thing so for most of my career i was lord sword <laughs> and didn't collaborate at all um i did the the um, wisdom of crowds thing with with jonas and but that wasn't so much a collaboration it was more i don't know it was more of a session that we did together um so i think it was pretty much when i met gavin that the the, the true collaboration started so I think the question, what's the best thing? The best thing is when, when you find someone um, who you can trust creatively um, and then, you've, then you witness ideas go much further than you could possibly imagine on your own. Right. And that's, that's for me, that's an absolute definition of, of collaboration at its best. And, um, and that's, what, that's what happened from the beginning. I mean, I don't want to sm- blow too much smoke up Gav's ass at this stage but when we met for for your wilderness you know things changed quite dramatically because because there was the there was just there was more than one brain you know a creative brain and and the sum of it was definitely well for me it felt greater than the parts what's the worst thing about it i don't know do you know what i i honestly can't think it's been such a smooth i mean i'm touching wood now but um it's been pretty smooth (laughs) we haven't really ever ever had any any heated disagreements at all there's been there's been moments where like people will say oh i prefer it like this or it should be like this but there was never any any bit where i think oh no collaboration is bad i don't want to do it anymore so um i i I know it's a terrible answer (laughs) so gavin can you can you define collaboration then well i think the the definition of it is really when you find someone you're in tune with where you're both on the same page and you have similar tastes and what can be exciting about a collaboration is that the other person will suggest things or present things to you that are quite foreign and you think oh I would never have thought of that and it's very weird to me at the moment but let me work on it and it's it's so odd i don't know what i'm going to do to it and what i end up doing to it is something i would never have done if that hadn't been presented to me and i like right. that a lot i love it you know being a creative person you love it when some other factor comes in and it draws something else out of you because when you when you work a lot on your own as a creative person you can get very bored with your own stuff yeah and you're very familiar with all the things you've done before and all your pitfalls and all your little things that you like to do. So, for instance, when I met Bruce and we started writing together, he would send things to me which, you know, I would never have written on my own, and then I would write things and send them back to him, and uh, it all had a good positive experience in that, you know, we both ended up writing something that we would never have done without each other. And it's very exciting when you start to sound different because someone else has has, uh, presented you with something. I mean, the worst case is, well, then I just wouldn't call it a collaboration. I've tried (laughs) writing with other people, you know, many times in sessions, people have said, you know, could you come up for something? You know, could you invent something for this section? And I have, and they've said, Oh, no, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> well, then, yeah, you're not on the same page. It's lovely when you when you meet someone who's on the same page as you yeah. and they make a suggestion and you think, yeah, that's great. That's exactly, oh, that's fantastic. That's exactly what I'd love to, wish I'd thought of that. Actually, that does it's- remind me, that reminds me, actually, of uh, the early days of The Pineapple Thief, thinking of the worst times where we did mm. try and do some collaborations and the worst feeling is when you let someone else in and then you know in your heart that you could have done it better. And oh that's, well, that's, it's just a horrible feeling because, it, because you know, it's your, I hate to say things like this, but it's your, when it's your art, man, um, you can't make any compromises. 
So when you when you invite someone to collaborate and you think, ah, God, that's actually worse than it could then if I did it on my own, then well, one, it's a horrible feeling, and two, it could be quite awkward. The, the next track I was going to play was Thin Air by the dearly departed Anathema, uh, you know, supported Porcupine Tree. Stephen produced their stuff, and you know there was you've talked about the you know the upsides of collaboration, but I'm wondering if there's sometimes the the friction is good, but obviously with a group like that, the friction was too much. They didn't survive COVID, essentially. How did The Pineapple Thief, how did you two, as creative people, survive COVID? And what are your memories of Anathema and the friction therein? Well, actually, we survived COVID really well, to be honest, relatively speaking, because we were, it didn't change, it didn't really change how we worked together because we always, we've, we're lucky that we got our own studios and we work remotely anyway. Um... But then I remember we all got together um, on a Zoom call and we said, right, well, nothing's happening. And we just released Versions of the Truth. And we thought, well, what are we going to do? We've got to do something. We can't tour it. We had to cancel the tour. So we came up with the idea to do the, the, um, the, the, the nothing but the truth, the, the, the live um, thing, um, which is another story, you know, but we managed to do it. So my memory of, of the lockdown and, and COVID is actually quite a positive one because we probably were more productive okay, okay. than we've ever been. Um, and then second question, my, my memory of Anathema. I, I've, I've worked with them um, quite a bit doing sort of 5.1 mixes and I, I remember playing with them at the K-Scope night in Union Chapel. Yeah. I must confess, I only ever had positive experiences with them. Yeah. You know, Danny was charming. Um, Vinny came to my studio to, to have a listen to the Optimist um, 5.1. We went out, had a beer. It was it was lovely. I thought they were a lovely bunch of guys. So you know, you do, obviously you don't know what it's like when you're in a tour bus together for, yeah, for eight and weeks. and related to each other yeah. as well. I wonder yeah. if that I wonder if that makes it make yeah. a difference. What about you, Gab? Then is it is it good sometimes to have Yin and Yang? Of course, you, you can't have one without the other. But mm. I mean, I yeah, Anathema were great bunch of guys they did a lot of um touring with porcupine tree yeah you know they were pretty fiery with each other mm. i don't know if that's a brotherly thing mm. um or their relationship or struggling about getting you know creative ideas pushed forward maybe when the creative um group is more than two it can yeah. start to get a, into a bit of a battle and people trying to pull it in different directions and say, oh no, we should do my idea. No, we should do your idea. And um, not that I witnessed them ever having a fight, but I could tell their relationship was a lot more passionate and fiery than was going on with Porcupine Tree, for instance. i 
yeah, they seem to be sort of like trying to push towards something that was unattainable and it, that always confused me and upset me hugely as well because I really like them. I'm going to mm. talk about Insurgentes next, if I may, uh, Gavin, and Harmony Kareem, probably, you know, the, one of the classics from that. What's, you know, there's there's two, sort of two or three different phases of Porcupine Tree, two of which, of course, feature you. Stephen Wilson is obviously a very, you know, big figure in that band. Does he collaborate? Well, he didn't used to very much <laughs> until uh, this new album. Right. Having said that, I did write quite a few songs with him over the years. Um, there's various songs on various albums and b-sides and extra tracks and so i knew we could get on quite well but the whole part of the new porcupine tree album the whole purpose of it was to collaborate there's no point steve wilson writing everything having already had like 10 years of or more of steve wilson solo stuff and that was something he wanted to do um i always thought we were very compatible um, in terms of the direction we go in, mm. we've got similar... Actually, we haven't got similar tastes, uh, come to think of it. But we found a way that we could stimulate each other and kind of fire each other up into collaborating. So, it, it, you know, this new album really is the most collaborative of yeah, all the Positive Because there was sort of... Because it was <laughs> you, you two grooving, I understand, together, getting the bottom end and grooving together, which was the root of it. Yeah, and I think the unusual thing was for Steve that he picked up the bass and mm. um, he plays the bass like a guitarist. He sort yeah. of thrashes it with a pick. And I think he felt this was a very um, unusual and right out of his comfort zone kind of thing to do. But he loves playing bass. Yeah. And so we started having jams, you know, and a real yeah. kind of old school way to write songs. The two of you in the room playing until we look at each other and go, oh, hang on, this is quite good, isn't it? Let's record it. for both of you how do you know how do you know if you're sort of if you're jamming around ideas how do you know that something's happening does somebody go whoopee oh i think you just feel it you just okay. you look at each other i mean there's been times where um uh, i've worked on things of that's bruce has already kind of down on he said oh i don't know about this right, it's yeah. oh, gee, oh god i don't know i really don't know about this and i can see something in it that maybe he couldn't see so I work on it and I send it back to him and then suddenly it's, oh, oh, that's changed the whole perspective of it. Now I'm hearing this song as a whole different thing to what I sent you. Yeah. And, you know, that would happen with Steve Wilson as well. We would jam and then I would say, um, I think that's a really good bass line, Steve, but we need to do it at half that speed and in this time right. signature. There's something really good there. I think when you're a creative person, you're always waiting for that moment where you recognise something good is happening and you want to capture it. It might not be perfect and it might be something that you're going to manipulate, evolve, develop, but there's, there's a seed there of, oh, hang on, there's something special happening here. It's not right at the moment, but we can make it right. I think okay. that's that, that also sort of yeah. defines the... The benefit you know, of, of the positive thing about a collaboration is that, that quite we've got tons and tons of ideas that me and Gavin have jammed over, 
And so many of them would have ended in the bin had it not for Gavin to say, oh, actually, how about this bit, Bruce? Actually, that bit you did, I reckon we can do this with it or do that with it. And then, and then wow. it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to develop it in that direction. And then it becomes something. And whereas before, I would have just gone, that's gone in the bin and forever it would remain. Yeah, that's interesting. Just, just um, sparked by engineers joining the label and the North Atlantic Oscillation remix of Subtober, which was one of my favourites, um, that both of those things did. I want to talk to you about, Bruce, about electronics in your music and electronics in, in The Pineapple Thief and what Steve brings and you know how that all works. Because with Gavin coming in, obviously you had the big, you know, the big muscular drummer and there was a bit more of the kind of like rock element uh, came back in. How does that, how does that, literally, how does that work? Is, is it something that comes from guitar and drums and then the kind of, you know, the MIDI has to be blended into it? I don't quite understand how that works in your music. Oh, yeah, it's a weird thing. It's always been a bit of a, a, a bit of a, 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 a pot that we throw everything in at the beginning. So the, the electronics <laughs> have always been a part of it. And um, I think really that quite often now we always leave space for Steve um, to come in right. as, and, but also, you know, I, I might sort of throw some really basic electronic ideas down. And also Gavin's got, um, his electric kit as well. So a lot, there's, right. there's, there's a lot of electric things that come from Gavin as uh -huh. too. So right. yeah, it's a weird, it's, 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 it, it I, if I start, stop to think how the process works between the four of us, I might start mm. to, it might start <laughs> to go wrong because it's just so natural. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't really yeah. think about it and um, it just ends up how it ends up. tell me about what it was like working with I Am The Morning. I mean, it's been interesting following Mariana's journey, you know, especially at the moment, as what with her being Russian. But they came essentially to the UK and that journey started happening because of the group and the acceptance of the Russian embassy. I think it's an absolutely fascinating story. And I think you and Marius playing on Lighthouse was a really important part of that. How did that come around? Yeah, um... Mariana wrote to me just, I think, through Facebook. All right. And um, she posed it in quite a funny English. She said something about, um, I'm coming to England, what about sessions? <laughs> and I, right. I didn't understand if she meant, you're looking to be a session singer or you, you want right. me to help you get sessions? And I wrote mm -hmm. back to her and I said, um, could you just clarify what you actually meant? She said, no, I meant that I, we would like to have you play on our record. Right. And I said, what I say to everyone is, okay, look, before How we much? talk about the money or we talk <laughs> about the availability or the schedule, let me hear the songs first. Because if okay. I can't make a good connection to the songs, okay. it doesn't really matter what the money or the rest, mm. the rest of the details are. If I don't like the music, mm. I'm not going to do it. 
and she sent the demos and uh, I thought wow this is really good stuff yeah. and you know once every now and then once in a blue moon someone sends me uh, a load of demos sometimes I've never heard of them I hadn't heard of her or I am the morning and I just think wow I'd like to play on this I can hear some real good stuff with it and so um, it was all remotely done you know they sent me the the tracks and I recorded the drums and, and sent them back. Um, some Barbieri from Planets and Persona. What's he like, Gav? Yeah, he's a miserable bugger. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've known Richard a very long time. I, I met Richard back in the late 80s 
And again, you know, I was a massive Japan fan. Mm. I really loved Japan. And I got to know Richard and Mick Kahn and Steve Jansen. And I loved the three of them. And I, there, there was such magic that happened mm. between those three. Um, so, you know, I don't think you'll hear better synth sounds than Richard can program. I remember him saying to me, you know, when you buy a brand new synth, I wish it just came all flat with nothing on it, all zeroed, rather than, oh, there's 10,000 patches. He said, because I don't want to use any of the standard patches. I just want to zero the whole thing and start from the ground up, which is, of course, you know, what makes him special. Jonas and Wisdom of Crowds, and that was a that was a really strange collaboration where some of the lyrics came first, where where you're working with a singer, and then you and I have spoken many times about how you've developed as a singer. How did that come about? What was that like? Well, the truth is, I was doing some stuff with um, Johnny uh, Johnny Wilkes, who's the marketing mm. director at Kscope actually, and um, so yeah. we were developing some songs together. And we knew that it needed to have a vocalist, you know, the stuff that we were doing. And when I first joined K-Scope, I went up to the offices and I came back with a load of free stuff, all the stuff that was on the label and a load okay. of stuff that was on Peaceville. And Catatonia just really jumped out at me, mainly, well, obviously the songwriting, but his voice was just, just yeah, so beautiful. Right, yeah. I've never heard a voice like that in metal, you know, anywhere yeah. actually, but in metal it was just how does, it just shouldn't work, but it does. Um, so I don't, I don't know what happened. We just meant, we just said, yeah, if Jonas does it, that'll be great. And um, we somehow managed to make it happen. And he came to my studio for must have been a week, and we yeah. just recorded all day. Um, got on really well. And um, so yeah, you, it was, you'd not, you, did, you didn't know him. You'd never, you'd not met. Never him met. No, no, what never met. So it was a beginning it must of be a, as far south as he's ever been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was, it was the beginning of something because you know we've been friends ever since. You know, I toured, I. I played with Catatonia when they did the acoustic tour. You know, I've mixed a lot of their 5.1 and, and things like that. And and me and my wife actually went over to Stockholm and, and went out on the town with Jonas and Mike from Opeth. And so it was, it was, it did start a nice friendship. Is there going to be some more? Everybody asks that, you know. Um, we, we, me and Jonas always talk about it, but time. he's, I mean, all, like he's just always so busy. He's yeah. just so busy. But I hope so. I hope there's, we, there's, there's room for one more before the lights go out. So my child. Well, I will never leave you tonight Open up your eyes and let them breathe Sinful as I am Please take my hand Let us lose our cares for life
tonight Open up your eyes and let them weep For both of you then, one of the strangest collaborations I've ever come across, and I think probably the strangest, arguably, on K-Scope, is the um, Uncovering the Tracks and the Give It Back sessions, where you're essentially your new drummer of your group comes in and starts fucking around with your old songs and adding and adding grooves and making it bigger making it smaller and making them better in a way i guess making them more modern whose idea was that bruce who, who said do you know what was it gavin that said do you know what i've listened to all these tracks on spotify and do you know what Let's do them again. I think it was uh, the fact that when we played live with Gavin, we knew that the, 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 the back catalogue music was sounding very, very different. And it was when we played live, you could hear it and the, the audience reacted to it. And you were talking about COVID and lockdown. Mm. Again, we were thinking, well, we've got our studios. We've got a hell of a lot of time on our hands. Let's go and do it. Mm. Let's, let's go back and, and record these things, that, you know, because we know how different that we, we sound. And um, so, yeah, it was Gavin, definitely Gavin's idea. Um, and he was the one who went back with a fresh pair of ears and had a listen mm. to the rabbit hole that is Pineapple Thief back catalogue <laughs> and, and came up with these songs. And, and a lot of them were really surprising choices. I could tell, actually, that, that the things that, 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 that piqued his interest was, was the, you know, that a lot of the songs, which I didn't realise, you know, the time signatures would, would jump around and... and yeah, just went back through and picked all these songs and and we just recorded them. And it was a really, really enjoyable experience. But it was also really weird to go back to myself. That I, you know, one yeah. of the earliest songs, 137, that we did was in 2002. Um, yeah. So I found myself replaying it, re-singing it. And, and so it was, it took me back. Visiting, yeah, because you, cause you would be visiting the sub- revisiting the subject matter of a much, much younger man. Yeah, exactly. And, and, man, and also that a lot of the songs I've kind of thought, well, lyrically, the, 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 story, it, it, the story hasn't ended because, you know, how many or 15 years have passed. So I had to actually write some more lyrics because I say, I can't leave it like this because that's not how it ended. In, wow. in fact, you know, it had a happy ending. It wasn't a, a dark ending yeah. as it was. Did you have any compunction with that? Gavin, when you were talking about you know a much younger man's intense lyrics, were you were you looking at the lyrics as well? Did you have any problems yeah. with uh, basically putting your fist into Bruce's very soul? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think something I've learnt over the years of being a session musician is I've learnt quite good arranging chops. Things don't ha- if the melody and the chords are nice. Everything else can be turned into liquid and reformed. If the melody and the and the the chords are nice, you could just sit and play it on a piano, and it would be a good song. And yeah. I think that's true of any song. Yeah. If the song relied so heavily on the sounds and the fashion of the time it was recorded, well, you can take all that out as well. You can take some, you know, mid '80s track that's very programmed or MIDI and you can completely revisit it and I think because I spent a few decades as a session musician working Mm. in studios with different artists and producers and arrangers and they would be constantly trying to no let's do it like this let's put this section in three now that and because I've got in more into composing I I would suddenly think oh do you know what this song needs a middle eight it hasn't got a middle eight. I'm going to write one and then I'm going to send it to Bruce. And then I'll ask him, could you sing something over this new section? I mean, along the idea uh, that Robert Fripp once told me, you know, treat every song as if it was new, regardless of when it was written. Right, yeah. So I would listen to a, a very old Pineapple Thief song on Spotify and think, right, imagine Bruce has just sent me that yeah, today. A demo. Yeah, it's a new yeah. demo, wow, right? Yeah. Forget the drums, forget the bass line, forget all that stuff. What do you think? I think, yes, I like this song a lot. It's got great potential. I think it needs a third verse, and it needs a weird middle where we go off into another direction. <laughs> and I think it's a bit ploddy because everything's in 6-8, so I'm going to make 1 bar 5, 1 bar 6, not to sound clever, but just mm. to give it some 
uh, rhythmic interest and then we'll go into six when it gets into the chorus and that will be you know the, the it'll be that will be the relief to the tension wow so um pineapple thief has actually brought out of me something that was been hidden in me for a long time which was this this urge to arrange so mm. like when i first played live with them bruce would say oh here's an old song it was written with a drum machine it's crap don't play that <laughs> do whatever you like and i thought yeah. oh okay i'll do that <laughs> and another thing bruce said to me when i first started working with him <laughs> is he says he said i like surprises now oh, most yeah. songwriters that i've worked with don't like surprises <laughs> they want it to sound very much like their demo hopefully yeah. the drums will sound a bit better than their drum machine but don't mess around with it i don't want it to be drastically different and bruce said oh i love surprises so um you know there's other singers and songwriters i've worked with if i said to them could you write a third verse could you sing some i'm going to write a middle section they'd be horrified <laughs> you yeah, absolutely it, butchered my creation is this is what this is what was because i've spoken to you both individually about each other and i've tried to get you to bounce each other and you've both been incredibly nice at each other none of my journalistic skills worked at all <laughs> so now i've got you together and we're doing a, a bro bounce podcast come on then bruce what's the worst thing about him he comes stomping into your group, giving it the big I am, giving it the lobster. Smashing it up. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're, and you're going, oh, no, it's lovely. Oh, I'm just too nice, aren't I? Yeah. Yes. No, I can't think. I can't think of anything. I have to, you know, we've had quite a few tours, quite a long mm. time on, like, a horrible bus in the States, but it was never that bad. Never that bad. How come? I don't Gavin, know. Why have you... Well, wow, Gavin, what's the what's the thing that winds you up most about Bruce? Then is it because he's too nice? Oh, I can tell you, I... new, he, he won't buy a new guitar. Uh, yeah, you have I to, can. Oh. Buy this guitar. Look, there's millions of things that I wind wind yeah. Gavin up. I, I had to talk Good. him into buying a guitar for for I think the first American tour we ever did. I worked on him for about three years to buy a thing three called a Variax. Right. Yeah, since I met him, since the very first tour. <laughs> Every song, he changed guitar every single song, oh, yeah. and it was a faff. And the oh, guitar, especially for a drummer, you don't change. Don't change. No, I don't change bass drum song. in between songs. So yeah. the guitar tech would come running on with a different guitar every single time. You know, and there'd be mistakes. Bruce would forget to plug it in. He's handed yeah. him the wrong guitar in the wrong <laughs> tuning, or the wrong pedal board. And I said, Bruce, you know what? There's this guitar called a Variax, and you can. Pro, pre-program all these strange tunings that you like right. without actually it's all done electronically oh, so it's no, no machine head action there is a machine head it is oh, a normal okay. guitar but this very 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 oh, clever right. intelligent um, electronic system means you can with a flick of a switch oh, it really will come out it will come out in a different with a different tuning um, even oh. though acoustically the guitar's the same in E, you might be coming out the weird thing. And Bruce was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I said, "You'd save taking about twelve guitars to America if you just bought this bloody thing." And eventually, after a lot of arm twisting, he did buy it. I did. <laughs> started with Wilson so we're now at 150 I'm going to finish with one of one of the most significant tracks that I've played the arriving somewhere but not here the octane twisted version 
which I think in which you know it's just that you know it really nice way to dovetail the beginning and the uh, and the one fifty with Wilson. So both mm. of you, Wilson, what's he like? Bruce, what's he like? Wilson, what's he like? I you know I I've only ever sort of met him briefly backstage a few times when I was in the mm. states. I, you know, nice guy. And for right. for me, he's just ever since. Um, Ever since I first met him over email when we did Little Man in 2006, yeah. he's just always been, you know, on the end of an email, you know, offering advice in the early days, especially. Wow. He came to lots of gigs when we were playing in real dive bars in Canada. Well, he came for your big breaking show biz, didn't he? Well, you're what, you know, hooked me up with K-Scope. Yeah, and because yeah. you, know, you played with them, didn't you, early on? Oh, uh, we played with Blackfield. Yeah. Funny enough, we could have met, you know, I might have met Gavin a lot sooner. We were um, we were asked to join to to um, open for Porcupine Tree back in two thousand and oh nine ten nine I think, um, yeah. but a few band members felt that we weren't ready, and we probably weren't to be honest. Yeah, and um, yeah, so we never did. So Gavin, you know him quite well. What's he like? <laughs> Why doesn't he wear shoes? Yeah, is that is weird. The pedal. He, he had a few weird quirks. He was, when I first met him, the first eight years that I was in Porcupine Tree, he did things like he brushed his teeth for about 15 to 20 minutes, non-stop. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> that isn't an exaggeration. Word. He would just, and uh, you know, all the toothpaste would be in his mouth. He wouldn't spit it out. He would just keep brushing and brushing and brushing and brushing and the the other three of us will be looking at him like this is insane, and I don't know if he still does that. I'll find out on the next tour. Please do, yeah. Email me. Yeah, and he drank a lot of milk. I remember that and Jaffa cakes. <laughs> he liked milk and Jaffa cakes. I think he's a changed man now. Right. Uh, you know, he's a married man. He's a father. Mm. And funny enough, you know, once we stopped um, kind of regularly working together in 2010, I think me and Steve actually grew closer. Oh, we had okay. quite a few meetings. We both lost a, pe- a parent in okay. very close time. I think my mum died and his dad died about a month afterwards. And so we kind of grew up. You know, we yeah. were stopped being two silly little boys and yeah. we kind of grew up. And out of those more serious kind of getting to know each other um, meetings started the idea of why don't we actually have a jam together we never tried oh, to actually yeah. have a proper jam together again, so yeah. yeah we kind of got to know each other and grew closer once the band stopped working Imagine the final sound as a gun 
the smashing windscreen of a car Did you ever imagine the last thing you'd hear as you're fading out was a song? and the 